Amen. Just need to make sure, amen. Because, <laughs> you know, when you, also when you're putting things on uh, social media as well, you don't want to put something that's not quality, amen. Amen. Are you ready? I'm ready to preach this morning's message. Amen. Are you ready? Amen. Turn your Bible to the book of John, chapter 14, verses 12. Amen. I got one hour with you. Amen. Hallelujah. John 14, verses number 12. I would like to speak to you today about attempting great things for God, but attempting greater works, greater works. Look at your neighbor and say, attempt greater works. Attempt greater works. I'm coming now, I'm just finding myself. Are you in that verse? Luke chapter 14. John, sorry, 14, verses 12. If you dare, say amen. If not, say wait for me. Okay, we're all there, right? Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, and the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. I'm going to repeat that again for us, amen. And Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, and the works that I do, shall he do also. So Jesus is saying over here that the works that he does, you have the ability to also do. Are you following me, right? Um, and then he says, not only would you also be able to do the works that I do, you'll be able to do greater stuff than I will do. So what, when Jesus was speaking here, it was a prophetic word that he gave to the, to the church and to the disciples. He says, you will do greater things than I will do. I think Jesus foresaw how technology would come into play and how we'll be able to move to different countries in less than a day. He knew that greater things we'll be able to do because as time begins to grow and as time develops, we will do much more than he has done. But it's a prophecy, amen. It's a prophecy, say greater things than you would do. So when you hear somebody say, even me, I'm doing greater works than Jesus. It's not something that you must get offended by and like, ah, what wrong doctrine is this here? You must be able to see that the man's work is so much that it, even that when you look at Jesus' work, you can't even compare Jesus' work to what this man done. Because Jesus himself prophesied. He says that you will do greater things. Not just the same things, but greater things. Not that this man is greater than Jesus, but Jesus says, greater works will you do. Jesus will always remain Jesus. Jesus will always remain the Son of God, the one that died for us and that rose again, and no one else can do that for us. But I'm talking about now the works of Jesus. I'm not talking about what Jesus did on the cross for us. I'm talking about the works. There's nobody that can die again. There's nobody that can go to the cross again and make, um, and can make, uh, what's this word I'm looking for? They can, um, Lord Jesus, it just slipped my mind. Can reconcile men to God. There's, there's no one that can do that. Only Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? Why? Because we were sinners and he died for our sin. No human being can do that for you. Only Jesus. But I'm talking to you about the works of Jesus Christ. Are you still following me, right? 
So it's very important that we understand when even reading the scripture that Jesus, he set a standard for us, Brother Emmanuel, in terms of the works that we must do. In, in terms of when I'm talking about attempting great things for God. So because Jesus had already set a standard for the works that we must do, it is then our responsibility to follow after that standard and follow after that standard very hardly, but if not follow after that standard, at least attempt to do the works of Jesus. At least try to do what Jesus... If we feel that what Jesus did was so great that we might not be able to do exactly what he did, but at least attempt to do something because the prophetic word was released that you would do greater than he would do. So what you're going to do? You're going to at least attempt it so that something can happen in your life. Why? Because the standard has already been set. You see, the standard Jesus, Jesus could have set the standard to say, well, climb Kilimanjaro, but he never. Jesus could have set the standard to say, well, open multiple businesses. Bishop Dag says something so powerful. He says, no man, don't be deceived. He said it like this, I'll never forget those words. Don't be deceived by men of God. That they have multiple businesses and owning a lots of things. He says somehow they are not doing the works of Jesus. They are doing the works of man. Not the works of Jesus. But he says that we have been commissioned by God not to do any kind of work. But we have been commissioned by God to do the work of God. You, you church, you spiritual people, you should understand that we have been commissioned by God to do the work of God. So what happened? Jesus sits the standard he has set the standard he said greater works will Wendell do than I have done greater works will Tasha do than I have done greater works look at somebody and say greater works greater works you will do now there's nothing wrong and you'll always hear me preach it there's nothing wrong with having an orphanage there's nothing wrong with opening an education center. There's nothing wrong with opening a, re a rehabilitation center. There's nothing wrong with, you know, providing electricity somewhere. But when Jesus spoke to us and when we look at the works of Jesus, Jesus never provided electricity to no one. Jesus never provided water to no one. Jesus never offered anybody housing. You'll never ever see Jesus going to offer somebody housing. Rallying to do housing. If you can find it in the scripture, please come talk to me. You'll never see in the scripture Jesus actually going to do business. If you can find it in the scripture, you can come and talk to me. He never do business. He was helping his father as a young boy. He went and he was a carpenter's son. They, they, they referred to him as the carpenter's son. As the carpenter's son. But they... <laughs> Listen to this. They referred to him as the carpenter's son. But we say he was a carpenter. But they referred him to the carpenter's son. So it's, it's, it's kind of like it's, it's kind of like difficult because when they were describing Jesus, and I'm, maybe I'm going to twist some of you's mind, because when they were describing Jesus, they said, isn't that the carpenter's son? So the mindset would be that because he's a carpenter's son, maybe he knows some woodwork or maybe he knows some carpentry. You understand? But if that was the case when he was 12 years old, the scripture talks about that he was found in the temples teaching high priests. You understand? When his father and his mother would look at him and he would tell them, don't you know I'm about my father's business? He wasn't talking about Joseph's business. 
You understand what I'm saying? So it means that it's a possibility that even when we say that he was a carpenter, it, it might not be so theologically correct. He was a carpenter's son. You guys, I'm not advocating for you not to work or anything. Don't get me wrong. You, I just want you to understand something serious here. Because Jesus had left the comfort of his father. I would think that his father would train him. You understand how, how to make a table or how to even watch the Mel Gibson movement, Passion of the Christ. You see Mel Gibson movement, movies, Jesus is making a table over there for his mother. You saw that? Yeah. So maybe somehow the father did train him how to, to, to do something. You understand? But his main purpose was never to do the work of carpentry. His main purpose was to do the Father's work. So when he was out teaching and when he was out preaching, they looking for him and said, don't you know I'm about my father's business? Me as a father, I'll be offended. Ah, how you can say you're about your father's business and me, am I not your father? You're supposed to come and cut the wood. Who's going to cut the wood? You're not cut. He says, I've got a higher work than cutting wood. I've got a higher work than making tables. My, my mission is higher than that. I have to do the works of the one that sent me. How many of us can honestly say within ourselves that after you got your job, you, you're in the nice job, you you getting nice money, you know, you have. How many of you can even say that after doing day of work, I, my main work is to do the work of my father, which is in heaven. I do the works of father, my father. And we're going to just talk about just now what was the works of Jesus so that we can understand what it is that me and you must do. What was the works of Jesus? It's very important you understand this. Because you've got people building their empires. You've got people building these financial gains. Because Charlie, when you stand before the host of heaven, the business that you have built is not going to work out. The, the business that you have sacrificed for the house of God, the money that you have sacrificed for the house of God, the, the wealth that you have sacrificed for God, when you get to heaven, you are taking nothing. Naked you will go. But what, what was it, uh, Job, that says, Naked I came into the world and naked will I leave. The Lord gives and the Lord takes it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You understand? So our pursuit, try, hey guys, just hear me carefully, please. Our pursuit must always be to do the works of God and to try and please God more than we try and please men. Why? Because one day it will be accounted for you. It will be recorded to you that you have tried to, to please men and you tried everything to become successful in this life. But you have not laid up treasures in heaven. The scripture says in Matthew, I think it's chapter 4 or so, do not lay, no, chapter 7, do not lay up treasures here on the earth. Where thieves can come and break in and steal. But rather store up treasures in heaven. And how many of us can honestly say that we, that's the basics of our, when you just get saved, they teach you that. How many of us can truly even say that we have stored up treasures in heaven? How many of us got stuff in heaven? Because Jesus warned us right immediately, he said, don't store up treasures here on the earth. He gave us a warning. Because thieves can break in. Solomon tells us it will be vanity because one day you will die as well. So you're storing up, you're working hard, you're sweating, you're struggling just to get this ends me, just to make it, to get that car, just to make it. Ah, you're struggling, but check the secret out here. This is the secret in all these things, is that you don't have to struggle to get all these things. You don't have to struggle to attain all these things. If you just remain in the vine, if you just remain in God, He said it in His Word. He says, the first thing that you must do, must do my work, and then I will add in to you. 
You're not understanding that day. Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Ramon, when he did the offering this morning, he shared the same scripture. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But why is it so, Annabelle, that we are not seeking after the presence of God? Why is it so that we are not seeking after him? Why do we seek after so many other things but not him? Is it because we are living in this world and in this world there is so much deception and so much distraction that we get distracted along the way and we are no more seeking his face? No more seeking his face. Some of us seek TV series more than we seek God. Some of us chill with our friends and we seek our friends more than we seek God. Even though they are Christian friends and even though they are church friends, you must try and limit yourself and seek God more. How many hours you spend at work? Twelve, maybe? Some of us? Eight, sorry, eight hours. Eight hours at work. Eight hours at work. And when it comes to the presence of God, we can't spend three, four hours in His presence. But we gave Pharaoh eight hours without complaining. We gave the taskmaster, the one that is over us, the one that is telling us when we can worship God. When we can go to church and when we can't. When we must wake up and when we must go and sleep. We give him eight hours. But our father, once two hours starts, church is like, hey, church is too long now. But we gave Pharaoh eight hours. Eight hours. This, this, uh, when we were doing prayer time this week, I said, guys, it's a blessing for you to come and pray. You know how many hours you, you bag within one week? Six hours. But besides the six hours that you are, are praying one week, you're telling yourself that I'm going to slip in on the days there's no quiet time. I'm still going to slip in prayer so that I can have more. What are you doing? You are trying your level best to spend enough time as you can with God. But most of us, half an hour, 10 minutes, 30 minutes for some of us, it's too long. And yet he's the one that blesses you. He's the one that causes rain to fall on you. He's the one that opens doors for you. But Charlie, it's like, even though we say he's important, Melissa, but it's like in our hearts, it's like we speak a different kind of language. We say we want to seek you, Lord. We say we want to love you, Lord. But our actions and our hearts, Sister Sandra, say something else. You see, it's either we serve him or we don't serve him. It's either we seek him. Hope is listening to me. She even turned. It's either you seek me, seek him or you don't seek him. It's either you are hot or you cold. But if you look home, he will spit you out. So you see, Jesus made it. He made a priority. He says that when 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 he says that he says that it will cost you everything. Listen to that. Powerful. It will cost you everything to come after me. It cost you everything to come after me. So, uh, Pastor Humphrey was talking about in, in the book of Numbers where the Bible says that Caleb and him served the Lord fully, wholeheartedly. He gave everything to God. So, some of us, we serve God, but we don't serve God fully. Paul talks to Timothy and he says to Timothy, Give thyself wholly to the work of God. Holy, fully. 
completely give yourself wholly to the world is that even when we talk about church it's not some remember i said to you church leo is not working for god church attendance is not working for god there's a difference between church attendance and working for god those two are different things so it must be with inside of us that it's not just about church attendance but i want to do everything in my power to work for god and I do everything in my power to make sure that I do what God wants me to do. I'm here to serve the Lord. I'm not just worried about attendance. I wish you'll understand what I'm trying to say to you. Is that when you have that mindset, or when you have that, that, that attitude in your heart, you have to have it's a heart attitude. Is that God, I'm not saying I'm going to give you everything with my mouth. I'm actually going to give you everything and I'm going to attempt it. I'm going to attempt it. And when you attempt it, you start to see how God starts to move and work on your behalf. Delene was talking about, when she was doing the offering, she was talking about faith and stepping out in faith. Is that you have to attempt, if you were given a thousand rand, attempt giving one thousand five hundred. If you were given five hundred rand, attempt giving six hundred rand. If you were given fifty rand, attempt giving sixty rand. So that you can see, and you would see God will do something. What's that? It's an act of faith. When we say attempt something, try it out. It's an act of faith. You acting in faith that God, I don't know when I try this out, what is the outcome going to be? But in which way I know that I'm doing it for you, so I'm trying it out. You understand? I was talking to the young people today, and I was saying to them that. I think I was talking to was it Cassidy as well. I was saying to Cassidy, don't tell yourself you can't sing the song without attempting to try and sing the song. Try it out and see. You don't know your ability. You don't know what you can bring to the table. But because you heard it and it seems like it's far from you, you won't enter in, you won't try it because you already you told yourself you can't do it. And there's many of us that has convinced ourselves out of working for God because we told ourselves, ah, it's too much, I can't do it. So already before you attempted it, you cancelled it out. You rather try it and then say it's too much, but not to try it and say it's too much. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you'd rather be burdened with trying it, Sister Zaini, than not to try it and say it's too much already before attempting it. So some people, some people say, hey, church, Tuesday, Thursday, when, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, hey, it's too much, I won't get involved in that one, that one, that one. But you never yet attempted to see if you have the ability to handle it. Oh, I wish some people would hear what I'm saying. Even when it comes to a Sunday morning service, it's like oh, oh, one service a Sunday. You can't decide in yourself that I'm only going to do one service. Attempt the next service and see. If I said to someone, if you're looking beautiful the way you're looking beautiful now, Sister Sandra, you just come to one service. Imagine how you'd look if you come to the second service. Imagine the glory of God that will come upon you. If you feel you're blessed now with just one service. And God is doing something which is one sir. Imagine if you do two services. Imagine if you do three services. Imagine if you do four services. Imagine if you spend your whole day just living for God. What beauty will come out of you. Imagine that. But remember we said that the reason why there's darkness around us. It 
only because there's an absence of light. But the moment light comes in our life, the darkness has to move away. If all you do is just sit and complain and worry about your circumstances, while you're stressing and worrying about your circumstances and crying yourself to sleep and murmuring and complaining, come into the house of God. The darkness in your house, the darkness in your family, the darkness surrounding your situations would leave. Why? Because when you come back home, light has entered into your house. Because you came to church to receive light and you boldly say, I am the light of this world. I'm a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. So darkness, what it does, it has to move out of the place. Uh, Jalen, put off the lights. Let me show you what I'm talking about. I'm an, I like to show this. That's going to be a reminder for some people. Amen. Hallelujah. Can you see? Ah, now it's dark. Just that small light there. Oh, okay. They, they picked it up in the spirit. Hallelujah. <laughs> Can you see now? The darkness that is here. It's only existing. Because there's no light. But when you come into the presence of God, maybe there's darkness surrounding your life. Maybe there's darkness surrounding things that concern you. But when you come into the presence of God, you are experiencing the light of God coming into your life. You are experiencing God's light penetrating into your body. And what begins to happen? Just put on that light there. Okay, they put on that light. So what begins to happen? Slowly, but slowly, light, you start to see things clearly. Some of you are unable to see into your life. You are unable to see into the issues that are surrounding in your life it's because there's an absence of light in your life it's because there's no light and the moment light comes put another light on you start to see much clearer put another light on you start to see much clearer and eventually you are able to see properly that to the point where there's darkness in your life you don't even see the darkness why because there's too much light inside of you so when you come into the house of God when you come into the presence of God you're getting some light inside of you so when you go into a dark area you are there to light up that dark area and you say you will not be in darkness anymore but it only can happen when there's light in your life in the absence of that light you'll be confused you want to need somebody that has light to come into your darkness you know that you're going to need somebody that has light to come into your darkness and bring the light because you got no you are not a carrier of the light of god imagine always needing somebody to come put on light Yo, yo, yo. I remember, I remember when we used to have no lights when I was young. And this lady, our neighbor put an extension in the house in, in, through the flat. And she said, don't worry, you can use it. But when she was absent, when she wasn't around, we had to wait until she comes home. And sometimes she wouldn't come home, so there was no light until we waited for her. And we waited and we waited and she never came home one day. So we stayed in darkness. Because my mother was giving her something every time to put on that light. To put on that light. So she was responsible for the light that we have. And that's the same thing that most of us have done. We have made other people responsible for the light in our life. We don't even have light. We're full of darkness. But until that person comes, then we, we, we feel happy and blessed. You understand? But the Bible says that you are the light. Tell your neighbor, you are the light. You are the light. So it's important that you understand this. It's important that you grab a hold of it. Why am I saying that it's important that you grab a hold of it? It's because the enemy, the Bible says the devil, moves around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. 
And some of us, the devil has devoured us. Some of us, the devil is running havoc in our lives. But I declare that you are coming out strong in Jesus' name. So we're talking about the greater works that Jesus... So let's look at Matthew chapter 9, verses 35. Matthew 9, 35. Now this, this, this verse shows us the works that Jesus did, right? And Jesus went about all the cities and villages. He went about all the cities and villages. Ah, he's the son of God. The great I am. God is residing on the inside of him. But he still did the works. He still went about cities and villages. But here we are with little bit of anointing that we have. We think we, because we're anointed, we can't go nowhere. Or oh, that place is too small for us. That place is too little for us. You, oh, Jesus. We can't go nowhere. But the Bible says that Jesus went about all cities and villages. And what did he go and do in all the cities and villages? He went to go and teach in their churches. He went to go teach in their synagogue. So as powerful as he was, he didn't wait for people to come to him. He went to them. And this is the idea of most churches and ministries. And that's why I don't think this evangelism thing will die in me. Is that because Leo, Jesus never, Jesus never just leave it for chance and say, I'm Jesus. I'm anointed. I got power. People will come to me. The Bible says he went. If Jesus went, wow, you sitting. If Jesus went, why aren't you doing something? If Jesus did something, why can't you do something? Why can't you at least try and go somewhere? There's a song that Ida sings. She says, go somewhere, preach somewhere. Go somewhere, preach somewhere. Go somewhere. Look at your neighbor and say, go somewhere. Go to Woodstock. Go to Major Calvert's. Go to Heim Street. Go to Rekha Road. Go to Essigai. Go somewhere. You anointed. Oh, pastor me, I got a prophetic call on my life. I'm anointed by God. I sense the apostolic ministry in my life. Ah, but you went nowhere. Hmm? You, you a missionary now? Now that you're a missionary, you're going to get your diploma, blah, 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 blah. Your missionary certificate will mean nothing if you don't go nowhere. My Bible college certificate would mean nothing if I never went anywhere. So what, what, what did we... It would just be a certificate on the shelf. Like some of us got diplomas but never ever entered into the job. Some of us got computer courses but never ever worked on a computer. Yo, have you seen people like that, Candice? Got computer courses. <laughs> computer typing, they did everything. But never ever worked on a computer or worked in a job that required them to use a computer. But you got a computer certificate. Your parents paid for it. You studied hard for it, but a lolo job for it. You get what I'm saying? So it's easy to have the certificate. But Jesus saw me anointed as he was, powerful as he was, went. So he's teaching us something here. Is that 
If you feel that there's some anointing on your life, Helen, you feel you anointed? You feel you got some anointing? Yeah, she, she, she said she feels she got some anointing. Lyndon, you feel you got some anointing? Are you waiting for people to come to you? What you have to do? You have to go. But most churches don't do none of that. We stay. And hopefully if we have a comedy night, they'll come. Hopefully if we put acorns, they'll come. Hopefully if we have cinema seats, they'll come. Hopefully if we are attractive in our appearance, they would come. But that wasn't the message of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, and I said earlier, that Jesus set a standard for us. And if Jesus went, why are we sitting? Some of you that are anointed, you need to open up a home cell. But you haven't opened up a home cell, you haven't went anywhere. Is the home cell going to come to you? You must go for it, baby. <laughs> you have to go for it. Tell yourself, I'm anointed. And I declare today I'm going. Yeah. You go. So with the anointing that you have, you have to make up your mind, Melissa. I don't have a home cell, but I'm going to go look for one where I can start one. And you go to your flats. You go to Woodstock. You go to Major Calvert. You go somewhere where pastor there's no home cell in the area. And I'm going to go minister door to door to those people. I come back from work 4 o'clock, I'll have a shower 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, I'm out the house. I'm going to minister. On the Monday night, I'm going to minister. There's nothing happening in church. Monday night is my night to go start a church. Home cell is like a church. My night is my night to start a church. But you know what? We're waiting for pastor to lay hands on us, anoint us. Oh no, I'm sending you to go start a church. You're waiting for the church to come to you. Imagine wanting a church, but you can't run a home cell. Hey! Imagine wanting to be entrusted with a large ministry, but you don't know how to run a home cell, or you don't know how to win a soul, or you don't know how to evangelize. You've never went anywhere, but you are entrusted with what will happen to your church. You think you'll have two and no more. There's a church in Peter Maddisburg, Brother Emmanuel. They say we two and no more, and literally there's two and no more. Imagine we come to two and no more. There's a church in Wentworth. The pastor used to have lots of members. Something happened. All the members, the one sister came to me, she's in the church. She says, hey, it's like I'm trying to resurrect something that has died long time. I even told the pastor, why you don't go to another church and become a, a member of another church? Because there's only three of us in the service on a Sunday. Three of us. And she even bought the pastor a, a, a speaker, a Bluetooth speaker. I bought the pastor's sound. Let's go and evangelize. She's using the sound to play worship in our house. But the lady bought a sound to go and do something. Ah, what's that, this is Zaini? Is that we feel that we are anointed. And because we are anointed, everybody's going to come to us. But the Bible says that Jesus went. So the first work that you will do for God is to go. Look at your neighbor and say, the first work you will do for God is to go. Is to go. Listen to me. The requirement of your employment is to go. The requirement, that's why when God calls me, Melissa, we say there's a calling on your life. What's the calling for? To sit. Remember what's the calling for? To go. Do something. To go, go somewhere. Now, when we a church like the way we are, I, think, I still think we're still a small church. I believe that we're going to grow higher and higher and bigger and bigger. I think that we're small, right? So now as small as we are, you are given an opportunity to go. You don't go. Imagine when we're big. We, you won't even be recognized even if you went. Hey! 
<laughs> Do you know in some large churches, Melissa, the pastors don't even know how many home sales that they have. They don't know. They don't know who opened the home cell. If you go, if you go to a church like Durban Christian Center, there's area pastors. There's a pastor for that area. That area pastor talks to another senior pastor, and that senior pastor will go and talk to the head pastor. So now imagine you are under the area pastor. Ah! You never even get to the senior pastor. You are under the area pastor. The area, and you run in a home cell, and you got 15 members in your home cell, and the area pastor doesn't even know you. Never ever shook your hand. Zama. <laughs> yo, yo, yo. That's a tragedy, right? It's because you took so long to go. But if you had went in the early stages on the onset, when it's time to leave, you would be recognized. That's why I say to some of us that are here, some of us, our age is, is almost at the ending. Or some of us, even young people, we don't know how long we have. But you're playing around with the work of God and you're not doing the work of God. You're going to have regrets, I'm telling you. Listen to what I'm saying. You'll have regrets. You'll have big regrets when you stand before heaven. You'll sing that song like Ida sings, Can I go back and do some more? When I get to heaven, listen to this, Lisa. When I get to heaven, when I see the city and the lights, when I see all the beauty and the splendor of heaven, he says, I hope I never say, Lord, send me back. I want to go back and do some more. I mustn't have any regret that I've never done something that I was supposed to do for God. I must have no regrets. Some of us, if now you had to die, you'll sit, you'll go to heaven, it's fine. But you'll sit with many regrets because you'll see people coming before you that are celebrated for the work that they have done for God. And you who have done nothing for God, you'll get a sihara on your head. And you're wondering why people are living in mansions and in houses and are receiving crowns. The Bible says you will get a crown for what the works you have done. So when everybody's getting, you're going to be like, can I go back? Can I go back and do some more? 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 Like, can imagine? I must go back and do some more, Annabelle. When I get to heaven, thank you so much. And when I get to heaven, there mustn't be no regrets. No regrets. But you got regrets, why? Hey, I should have went. Hey, but you know, days of our lives and bold and our my beautiful, they were so beautiful. I, you'll have regrets. Hey, you know, I shouldn't have went to that man's house, you know. I should have done what God wanted me to do. So then you get to heaven, your boyfriend's not with you. Hey, I regret even being with him because he kept me from the work of God. When you get to heaven, you're going to be like, mm, I regretted. I, I, I preferred Milky Lane or WhatsApp or Instagram or social media or TV more than I decided to go. And because of that, you would have regrets. Now let's look at this verse. Can I teach it, right? And the Bible says, he taught in their synagogues. So he went to their churches and he went to go and teach them the word of God. When the second thing you do, number one, right? The first requirement for working for God is that you must go. You will be sent. You must go. The, the work that you will do when you do go or when you decide to go. You see, because going is a choice that you have to make. 
It's a decision that you have to make. If I say to Annabelle, Annabelle, you must serve. Annabelle can either say yes or no. It's a choice that she would make. Because you must understand that as much as you are anointed, nobody's just going to come to you. There was a pastor, I'm not going to mention his name. He said to me, like I said, that time I was still trying to open the church. And there wasn't a there wasn't a lot of members and stuff. And I was I was I was shocked at his statement. I said, Hey man of God, you've been in ministry for years. He served in interfellowship and stuff. And I said, You've been in ministry for so long. When you're opening up a church, and he started to give me the reasons why he's not, but he said to me, Zama listen to this. He said, If I open a church, me I'm a name. Everybody in my church will be full just by me opening the church. I was like, wow. Why? Because he's a preacher. He can preach nice. I was like, wow, man. I wish that grace was upon some of us that we can just open a church and our church will be full just because we opened it up and we announced it that we have a church. Now church is full. It doesn't work like that. Church growth never works like that. You either had to go and steal members from another church in order to do that, but it doesn't work like that. The only way you can grow a church is through evangelism. I didn't let you can't grow a church. You can, Leo, you can come with principles of how you're going to grow a church by making the church more seeker sensitive. You can look at principles of how you can get your admin right, but that won't grow the church. The only thing that's going to grow the church is evangelism. That's the one key that God talks about. What the Bible says, and they preached the gospel and 3,000 were added to the church. How did the 3,000 get added to the church? It was through the preaching of the gospel to the lost. That's how the church was growing and that's how they were added into the body of Christ. They would think that because we are good preachers. And this is the problem that most young people make. They think because they can preach, they can open the church. There's a youngster, his name is Jason. Most of us know Jason. Jason, you, you talk to Jason, he can, he can give you, he can imitate Crippler Dollar right here, right now. He'll talk, he'll move his hands. And even when I talk, you must see how he watches my hand movements. As my hand movements just go, he moves with my hands and because he's good at imitating stuff. Ask him to imitate me, he'll be able to imitate me easy. Just like that, he's good, Jason. He's anointed, I would say he's anointed. It's not his good preaching that will cause him to build a church. He got so many things that is that's not right. He just wants to preach. He wants a church. He even came over here when he saw the church. He says, I'll be your second in charge. And when people know that Jason is here, they'll come to church. I was like, wow, man. Hey, man. <laughs> hey, these guys, I don't know where they get it. I'm like, wow, I wish I had that kind of grace. You know, the people just heard my name. You know, I still depend on evangelism, even up until now. No matter how big I become, I'll still depend on evangelism. Because a soul is a soul and it's precious to God. I'll always depend on evangelism. Oh, Lord. You know, it's like, it's like saying, oh, the church is growing. Now, pastor, the pastor won't care about the people that are not here. Never. Never. Because your soul is precious to God. I, I worry so much. I pray for you. When I don't see you, I send a message. I send a text. How are you? What's happening? I don't see you often. I'm not sure what's going on. Talk to me. Why? Because your soul is precious. Some people get in their emotions where they think that because church is growing and people are coming, pastor won't worry about us. But you must understand something, that your soul is precious. Church, everyone that's in church is precious. So if your soul is precious, if I don't worry about your soul and I'm supposed to be over your soul, then it makes me a bad pastor. 
You understand? If you don't hear me texting you or you don't see me, te- it means that a person must be extremely busy or must be extremely stressed out. <laughs> you understand? It's either I'm busy or either I'm stressed out. But I have to make sure that I try and find out what's going on. Why? Because your soul is important. Because you are uh, important. You have a, a powerful role in the house of God. As small as you may think. That's why I want you to come to church often. So you can hear the word. So you can hear preaching. So you can grow. And so you can become a pillar in the house. You see where the pillar of JCMI starts? It starts in a place like this. You can become a pillar of JCMI. Look at, look at Toffee, Toffee, Tasha, Melissa, and most of the guys. Where they started when I was in this classroom over there. But Emmanuel, classroom there. Classroom. From the classroom, they, touched, they kicked us out of the school because of COVID. We were in my house, no church. They were there. I was using the tent, Brother Dennis. We would use the tent, you understand, to try and just have some. The sun would come, so the tent would block the sun. They were there. Got to wow, Saints. When we never have church, we couldn't do the house anymore. We went onto the streets, they were on the streets without a building. <laughs> and then after the building, we went into the wow center. Wow center into the crash. From the crash into the other place. And they still here. So even all the year, when we go and possess our ground, you'll still be here. Why? It's called pillars of the ministry. People that are with you from long, you never forget them. You always pray for them. You always pray for them. Always. Why? Because they were there. Even when the ministry meant nothing, when the ministry didn't even look like it was growing, it looked like it was just going to be five of us, Sophie, and that's it. We would come to church and it would just be a few people. Ah, there's even times we would have prayer. I just see Tosh, Toffee was working at Edgar, so she couldn't come all the time. But it's just few, few, three, four, five of us. Five of us have in church. See, like I'm preaching now, I was preaching the same way. Five of us have in church. What, what, what am I talking about? I'm talking about pillars, people that are, that are there, that can hold. You, understand? you must become a pillar in the house. Why? The first thing that you must do when you are sent, the second thing that you will do when you are, the first thing you will do when you are sent is that you must be able to teach. You must be able to just one of the works of Jesus. So if you can teach, that's why in, 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 in church tonight, I love to give people opportunities to do stuff. I love it. I love it. Why? Why do I give you an opportunity to do stuff? So that you can be a partaker of the works of Jesus. And the first work of Jesus was to teach. I'm telling you, most of you might even think in, in your mind, a pastor's tough, pastor's difficult, pastor's, hey, we're overworked. You feel you're overworked, my wife? I don't overwork you. Okay, yes, yes, yes. I overwork you, yes. You okay that I overwork you? Yeah. So I overwork my wife, or I, I, I place some stuff on her that's a lot. And even maybe some of you might feel like that. But what we say, Brother Emmanuel, JCMI, we soldiers. <laughs> we soldiers, yeah, right, Wendell? We work. Wendell, remember, it's come five hours prayer a day. Soldiers. Five hours of prayer a day, Toffee, remember that? Yo, yes, well, yo. Look at that day. All we claim five hours a day. Ah, these soldiers. So when you see like a boss is making your work, ah, boss is raising up soldiers. Hmm? Not people that get tossed to and fro, but somebody that is able to stand. 
somebody that is able it even when you when you see that i'm overdoing it on you uh, brother dennis just take it just take everything that i'm giving you just hey pastor i'm going to do it and my wife agrees i'm doing it but i'm, I'm doing it that's on two pastor i'm doing it that's on two i'm doing it i'm doing it that's how you grow that's how you develop why because you are getting into a place now where you're doing the works of jesus the first work was to teach let's go to matthew chapter 9 again and then he says he went and preaching the gospel so the other thing that he went to go he went to go preach the gospel of the kingdom he taught and he preached where in cities and in villages he preached so what must you do look at your neighbor and say become a preacher of the word oh but pastor i'm shy i can't no become a preacher tell your neighbor become a preacher Lycan, you think you can become a preacher, Lycan? You can be a preacher of the word. That's the works of Jesus Christ. How many of us want to do the works of Jesus? Amen. Preach the word. You want to be a preacher of the word? Amen. She wants to be a preacher of the word. I know some of us are soft, like our Toshas and stuff. But how many of us were blessed when Tasha shared on the offering? What she did, she preached the word. She preached, she shared a message. She taught the message. You understand? Have you seen Candace as well? When was Candace? Candace, when were you in Bible college? She was she was there, she was teaching the word. Even though it wasn't what she agreed on, but she was teaching your opposite, yeah? Yeah, she was teaching the word. What's that? Doing something for God. I told Nicola when she came, she's confused about whether she must continue in her studies or whether she must she must uh, stay i said your bible the bible college is good but the bible college is a lot of theory but less practical stuff so all you have is a lot of information so somebody that has done it as one level ahead of you because you just got practice you got theory it's like any job what they tell you you must have five years experience it's because they know that somebody that has experience or practical work is ahead of somebody that has book knowledge you'd have your degree but somebody that just has practical work is more important than you because you've never ever tried it you've never ever done it so i said you can get the information which is good you can get the knowledge which is good however though after receiving the knowledge you won't know how to put that in practice and at church what we do we practicalize the gospel in our in our bible college not i'm not saying the bible college is wrong or whatever our bible college because they're going to get certificates and graduate as well in our bible college what do we do is a practical stuff so even though you would come and i'm teaching you theory like christian evidence i'm teaching you theory but you are getting firsthand how to how to address somebody that's an atheist and you are doing it on a practical level you understand? Sister Zaini was an atheist. Brother Emmanuel had to address her from a Christian point of view. How do you deal with an atheist? How do you deal with an atheist? Huh? You see, so Sister Zaini and Brother Emmanuel, even though you had six months, now I'm not listening, I'm just giving you a point. They have more practical knowledge than you. So if somebody needs to address somebody that's an atheist, I won't call her. I'll call Brother Emmanuel or Sister Zaini. Even though she has six months. Oh, you'll think I'm playing games. Uh, 
You understand what I'm trying to say? Why? Because as much as she received theory, she wasn't able to deal with it on a practical level. Because maybe when she's talking to him, she's raising her voice. I know the Bible says it like this here. And she doesn't know that when you are addressing somebody from another way, you must be courteous. You get what I'm saying? But the theory has told us something. So the scripture makes us understand, Leo, is that we must preach the gospel. So how are you going to preach the gospel? By reading your notes? No. Don't come and read your notes when you're preaching. Have your notes as a guide, but don't read your notes when you're preaching. Because all you're doing is showing us what you've learned in Bible college, and now you're just reading what they showed you in Bible college, but you are unable to implement it. I wish they were getting what I'm saying, my wife. You getting what I'm saying? Because you read, have you, who was I talking to? Tez used to write out a praise. I said, the devil is a liar. What write out praise? Praise come from here. I don't listen to people that makes politicians. I'll never listen to a politician that has a speech. Those words are not his. You understand? So you don't need to write out your praise. I need to feel your heart when you pray. You understand? So it makes it feel more genuine. But because sometimes we only receive that theory part and not the practical part, we don't know how to behave when it's time for practical. You understand? So that's why in that's why I even said to her, six months is sufficient for theory. Don't you think six months is sufficient for theory? Now that you got the theory, you need to do something now. What do you say, Lisa? So are you going to go for six months only or more? Mm, six months. Do six months and come back with anointing and come back with, with power. Even if you don't come back with anointing, come here, we'll pour oil on you and go out in power. Yes. You see? You see? You in between, we'll pray about it. Look, Sir Nate, you also going? Six months. Six months is fine, Sir Nate. Sir Nate's also going. Six months is fine. You don't need to go long. When you come back with six months, we want to see what you've learned in six months. So you're going to see she's going to start doing offerings and start doing all these things. Now, practical. Practical. Are you following what I'm trying to say? So the works of Jesus Christ was to preach. Annabelle, she's busy now. She's working. Or else I would have overworked a long time. Would have overworked. You'd be like, hey, pastor, please give me a break. Would have overworked. But because she's working now, she doesn't have a lot of time on her hands. But if she had time on her hands, I would have worked a long time. I would make her feel like she's doing the work of God. Have you ever felt like that? You make the person makes you feel like you're doing when you used to do evangelism Bible college. You they'll tell us leave eight o'clock, come back four o'clock. Go and evangelize Bible college door to door, door to door, door to door, door to door. Come back tired. After that, you just want it's like you had a worse than a, a, a engineer's job or like a welder. Even though they were welding and welding, you feel like you've worked all your strength out. So sometimes even when I preach, ask my wife, all I want to do is just lay down. Because it's, it's, it's tiring, it's not easy. How many of us know even preparing a message is not easy? How many of us sweat when you prepare a message? Pastor says to offering you sweat and you're under pressure. You need, you need 12, you need a whole month to prepare that sermon. 
because you sweated. Imagine I tell you now, next week you're going to do what you sweated, you finish. Some of us say, Pastor, hey, give me another break, maybe extend it next week or something. Because it's not easy. Do you understand? It's work. That's what's the work of the ministry. And look at Jesus. He went to go and preach. I was blessed with Ramon and Tez. Super blessed with them. I mean, imagine that. Eh? Leo, I see you and Taryn getting that speaker as well. And, and going out on the corner and preaching. You understand? You don't even need to have a, you don't even need to have a big testimony or whatever. You just attempt it and try it. But Emmanuel, you and Caroline? Caroline can sing. You can preach it. Amen. Get a Bluetooth speaker. Get a Bluetooth speaker and do it. Do it. Huh? Brother Dennis, you and Sister Coleman, you are you an evangelist. Say, babes, let's go. Where are you going? I'm taking you on a date, my love. <laughs> I'm taking you on a date, my love. Where are you going? Woodstock. We're going to pull out our speaker and our microphone and we're going to preach. Imagine my one of my visions... Sister Zaini, is to have evangelism centers in every street where there's always like a, like a corner, like a pillar designated just for somebody to stand and evangelize and to witness to people. They call it a speaker's corner. There's somebody standing there, got his microphone, got his speaker, and he's preaching on every street. Imagine what revival will come to enter. You know when you go to Ghana, Ghana is such a spiritual place. Everywhere you go to Ghana you just see spiritual things. Imagine that same idea or mindset in our community. Like Candace just sent me something I saw on Facebook as well. Human trafficking right here in our own community in Durant Road. Human trafficking. Imagine that. Now imagine now you sitting down, you never go and you could have saved somebody's life from getting human trafficked. You could have been outside of the Rancor Road flat where that person was getting trafficked. And you could have had your speaker and mic and the trafficker could have been convicted in his heart. You could stand outside by the drug dealer corner and you can reach and the drug dealer can convert it. How much more of a change and a difference we will make if we go, if we teach, if we preach. That's the word. Is it hard? Ah. Why are you talking while I'm talking, all of you? Oh, I can hear you. So why, why do we, why do we, uh, why do we not want to do the works of Jesus? Because Melissa, it's so simple. It's teach, preach, and then he says, heal the sick and every disease amongst the people. The next thing is a healing ministry. Heal the sick. That's why I attempt praying for sick people. You maybe Paul must have thought, hey, maybe Pastor, hey, got a healing anointing. You know, when he came to the front, I attempted it tonight. When he remember Paul, he had his big brace on. I attempted it. And when I attempted it, what happened? He didn't need that anymore. He's walking with his techie, didn't need the brace. He came with his brace and he testified. How oh, I attempted it because it's one of the works of Jesus. He says, I will do greater. So I'm going to attempt to try and do what he did. I'm going to attempt it. But I have to attempt it. So you'll find out that every time I do a crusade or every time between, I always pray for the sick. Because it's part of the works. It's part of the works of Jesus Christ. And that's the same mindset that you must have. So one day when you stand before God, Lakin, you'll have no regrets, Baba. Don't have no regrets. You see, don't allow, guys. I just want to speak and then we're going to pray. 
I think my time is up now. Don't allow the distractions and this world to suck you so that you can't do the work of God. Because this world is very attractive. It's so attractive that our young girls are falling pregnant. It's so attractive that we've been deceived by green eyes and white eyes and dirty feet. It's so attractive. It's so attractive. And it's few, Brother Emmanuel, that stand. But you have to tell yourself that I will not be distracted by alcohol. I'll not be distracted by drugs. I'll not be distracted by men. I'll not be distracted by women. I will not be distracted. All I want to do is do the works of God. And if a man must find me, he must find me doing the work of God. And if he wants to join me, he must join me doing the work of God. If he can't, then I, my brother, sit down. I'm not here to try and lift you up. Remember, Pastor Humphrey shared this morning. Can't change him. You get what I'm saying? He must join you doing the work of God. Why? So that you don't have regrets. That you place a man or you place a woman before God's work. Before God. Imagine having that testimony. Why couldn't you do my work? Hey, I was in love. And you don't even know if you'll be your husband. I was in love. And most of the time, sometimes it's not even our husband. Pastor, he left me, he had me. I'm no more with him anymore. You understand what I'm saying? But you sacrifice it. Or imagine you get to the place. Hey, I couldn't do the work of God. Hey, I, hey, I was too tired. Hey, it wasn't, it wasn't the right day. It was raining. Imagine some of the excuses we make. Imagine Jesus was standing next to you. You think you'd have those excuses. Huh? Like and think about some of the excuses you made. If Jesus was standing next to you, if it was your day now, you'd be for God. Do you think those excuses you made will stand? Just think about it. Would they have even small warranty? Nothing. Nothing. My wife, I just want to use a testimony. My wife from surgery, hospital and whatever. Supposed to recover. Supposed to. But where was she? She was there. She said, I'm recovering in the house of God. So sometimes when she's in pain, she'll go sit outside a little bit and then she'll come back in pain. You'll see her sometimes she'll stand because she couldn't sit properly. So she'll stand up. Huh? She's laughing. Yeah? Why? It's because she understood that this excuse, because I'm not dying, I'm not dead. I can, I can make it so I'm going to go. And this is what you must have in your mindset. That proton, I'm placing God first. I'm putting God first over everything. I want to attempt to at least, oops, I want to attempt, Kayla, to at least do something for God. At least I want to attempt it. I want to try it out. And I want to see what will happen. Amen. So with that, with that being said as well, I'm finished now. There's, there's been a land. I think when we were in the Christian Adam school, I was looking for the scripture. I, I can't find it, but I'll find it for you. We were having our, I think it is a New Year's service or whatever. And the Lord said to me that I'm giving you the good land. He spoke to me that he has given me land. He spoke to me that he's giving me a place. And it's going to be a good place. Not because of anything, not because of anything that I've done. 
because of the the wickedness and the hardened hearts that's why he'll give us the land and for me back then it seemed very strange sister sandra for god to give land where where is land in wentworth there was no land there's no land in winter god how are you going to give me land in wentworth and one day i was walking and i was visiting uh, lazelle and i was walking i was going up to my mother and the lord said to me you see the top over there i've given you that land the top there by woodstock that big patch you saw the video that i put in the group right he says i've given you that land i said hey so from that day maybe four years five six years ago i tried to research who owns the land how can i get the land four five years ago up until now nobody even understands or knows it belongs to parks it belongs to human settlements they want to put houses over there but from the time i was maybe even joshua's age leo they told us that they were building houses but they never ever built not even one house on that land people were right there people died there sugarheads used that place to smoke they even put a shack there and they sleep in that place and every time i go past the lord says that's the land every time i look the lord says that's the land spoke to a couple of people i was getting hits from all sides trying to say no you someone got it for uh, 99 years somebody got the lease for 19 months or so i'm like hey he got it i never get it maybe because i delayed even brother emmanuel had a dream that we we're going to have a church on that side here but not the same location he dreamed the bottom but we were on the top the lord showed me i had drawing plans everything i shared with some of the guys and every time for years now i look at it melissa and something until somebody says go and take it go and take it and go and do it and if the people come while you're there that's the right time to talk to them now so that they can officially give it to you ah look at that yeah so i was talking to one of the guys that was supposed to be counselor he says go cut across go level the place and go put your temporary structure there when they come he says when they come which i doubt they do come i doubt they even show up because they haven't showed up for years you can just tell them this is what you have done and this is what you are currently doing so it's been worrying me for years ask my wife so how long i've been speaking to you it was long eh? years yeah yes i mean yes you see yes Mm, yes for years and too much confirmations of their place too much too much and every time i'm saying it and for some came to confirm it on another level as well about possessing the land and all that thing. and i said to i was talking to brother dennis i said we're going to attempt doing something i'm tired of struggling to pay 10,000 rand rent how many of us are tired of struggling to pay 10,000 rand rent we can't do nothing we can't do nothing even to the center this morning's offering you calculated yeah this morning's offering what 800 and something rand right 500 rand had to go as an honorarium to the pastor 300 rand remaining that was for us for the use of the van we have to pay the lien's father so all the offering is gone so you you understand what i'm saying so you can't even do something now you have to hey that's the seventh is coming up now you need 10000 rand imagine that kind of stress imagine when i don't talk and you don't see me texting you can imagine my my gray hairs and stuff but i trust god i have faith that god provides but i say god we can't assist families 
We can't help people. We can't do. We can't see what we are building. We can't. You can't even, guys. You can't even buy paint. How many times I want to paint this place? Sometimes it's even difficult to call Brother Aiki to cut a gross. You saw how long the gross is. The gross is long. Can't even do that. But the mindset is this here, is that because we are trying, we are building something for somebody else. We are paying him off whatever. We can't see what God is going to do. And God said to me, attempted. 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 So this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you're going to go on the force. You're going to come on the force with me. We're going to go on the force because I believe that God is going to do it. I'm going to send the landlord of this place a message. I'm attempting it. We have to attempt it. We would lose some people, but God would add them eventually as we grow along. Because some people won't just come and sit under a tent. You understand? And that's fine. I'm fine with it. But when we start building, we'll gain more people. You understand? So I'm going to send him a message. I'm saying, we can't continue any longer. We have to end this contract. We have to end this deal. Because we want to see God do something. And we can't see him do something while we are paying 10,000 rand every single month. There's so many crusades I want to do, but all those things require money. Majority, but we can't see nothing, Sister Zaini. And I, and I weep and I cry about it. Say, Lord, we want to... The girls were just talking to me today. They said, you know what, Pastor, what we need? We need outfits for dance. Where's the money to buy them outfits for dance? Yeah, we can say we can fundraise and whatever. Sometimes even fundraising doesn't really help the way it's supposed to help. How are we going to see the vision? Are we going to pray for a million aid to come here and sow 100,000 every month? How long will we be waiting for that, Annabelle? So we have to attempt something. So it's going to be, I think it will be Tuesday or so. We've got a generator. we got... We got a generator that even makes it even easier for us to attempt it because we know that there'll be power there'll be light so we can put the tent up and we know that there's power there's light everything will be sorted out however though uh we first want to go pray over the land while we fasting and stuff so what we'll do when we come and we meet you we'll take a drive down there all of us just for 15 minutes a day or 20 minutes after we'll pray here and then we'll go down and we'll put our feet on the ground the bush is long though we'll get oil and we'll anoint it and we'll say Tasha, this ground is ours Tasha will be in the glory she just has to walk down the road from church from our house to church. Toppy, you'll be in your glories. <laughs> Lots of us will be in our glories, uh, Zama. We wanted to walk up Quality Street to come to church. But for some of us that are saying this side of the land, uh, Candace, sorry, you have to walk all the way down. Amen. <laughs> so you understand what I'm saying? But we have to attempt it, Melissa. If we don't attempt it, we will never do it. And that's the thing in my mind all the time. I told myself, I will not do it. I will not do it. I will not do it. I will. I, I need to. We still need to pay. We still need to pay. Yeah. We still need to pay. Yeah. And as I'm paying and paying and paying, I'm staying. I'm staying. I'm staying. I'm staying. Do you know that? Because once a month is sorted out, you'll be like, oh, okay, let's stay. We got a full month. Why must we go? Then we're gonna raise. Oh no, it's a month sorted out. Let's stay. So let's not pay. <laughs> oh, you think I'm joking? Yeah. Let's not pay for the month. 
and let's attempt it. That's when we'll only move. You know that uh, let's not pay and attempt it because that will push us to now move. Brother Ike, you must go see. We just want, now what I want, Brother Ike, uh, we just want the place, there's a lot of bush over there, but we want us now, it's just a cross to be cut. So or, uh, maybe whenever we can just put our tent there. It's very long. We just put our tent there for now until we can cut that entire. And then we need a machine that will level that whole ground because the dirt is heat up like that there. I don't know if guys can work with their hands or maybe we can work with our hands and shovels and all that, but it's a lot of work to do it like that. But I'm telling you, we can attempt it. And once we attempt it, God can do it. But we have to attempt it. If it doesn't succeed, if, which I don't think it won't, if it doesn't succeed, so what? At least we'll have a testimony we attempted it. Don't you understand what I'm saying? So attempt it and let's see what will take place. How many of us are down for that? Amen. Amen. But what I'm going to do with them as well, I'm going to ask them if that we can just, until we settle nicely, if we can just pay for a Sunday and a Sunday and a Sunday, like maybe three or four Sundays. Maybe it'll be like maybe 300 Rand or 500 Rand just for the Sunday. So in the this time, yeah, all our stuff we have to, we have to make a plan. I don't know where it's going to go. But we have to make a plan for it. If we don't attempt it, guys, it's not going to happen. And over here, we've got taskmasters over here. <laughs> you understand? They, they Even when if you come short, the, the pastor called me one time. He says, this is business for me. He's, he's a pastor. He's a man of God. He said, this is business for me. He never even consider what we are doing as a church. He says, it's business. So you understand what I'm saying? So I believe that God is setting us free from this. And as God sets us free from this, one day we will look back at ourselves. If we never get out, we wouldn't have such an awesome building like we have now. Do you get what I'm saying? Dr. Fred and them, all of them, they were renting places. How they got land is when they stepped out and did something. So we are not going to achieve it if we just sit. Look at somebody and say, go. I'm, I'm doing it, amen. I'm taking the lead, amen. And I'm doing it, hallelujah. Let's stand on our feet, amen. Were you blessed today? Amen. You're still going to be in church? You're not leaving us? You don't mind sitting under a tent? I know you posh, Sister Sandra. You don't mind a tent? You Zama, I know.